Welcome to the Pain of Scale, the Notion Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Notion Podcast. Hi, Stephen. How are you today? I'm very well, Paul. And yourself? Always very good when I'm talking to you. We've been doing that quite a lot these days, so that makes me happy. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> I'm learning a lot doing it. Yeah, and we're getting into a very nice routine. So talking about routine, we're going in the same themes over and over, which is the point of the Spain of Scale series. So what theme are we going to approach today and who do we have with us to talk about it? It's a really interesting observation. I mean, one of the fortunate situations for Notion is that we invest in B2B SaaS companies. I mean, they all have ambitions for huge scale and, and every one of those companies is different, but they have a lot in common. There's a couple of things that I'd really call out, which is that invariably the companies we're investing in are solving a problem that hasn't been solved before. And that's fascinating for us. And then as that company develops, they need to start to think about how do they describe that problem. And so defining the category that they're creating is a really critical part of the startup, grow up and scale up journey. And, and that's what we're going to be um, talking about today. With uh, whom? I think she's uh, calling in from San Francisco. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really pleased that we've got Bryn Kennedy joining us today. Bryn is the, the founder and CEO of Topia. I'll talk a little bit more about this, but they are creating a category for global mobility management. We were fortunate wow. to invest in Bryn as part of the seed round, I think, back in 2013. Is that is that right, Bryn? Yeah, that's correct. And Bryn founded... Topia was then called Move Guides um, after a successful career as an investment banker and she came out of London Business School and we were in the seed round and she's now raised more than 90 million dollars. Oh wow. You know it's one of the real privileges of this job is you get to work with some incredible people and I was saying to Bryn beforehand wow I was just reading her bio she's one entrepreneur of the year in women in IT, women of the future, London Business School distinguished entrepreneur, management days 35 under 35 She's also a former elite level gymnast and oh, wow. you speak four languages as well. It's just <laughs> they're a little rusty, wow. so don't give me too much credit. How, Please don't test me live. How have you managed to fit all that in? I am really in awe. So I'm delighted that you can join us today, Bryn. Thank you very much. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for um, having me. Maybe just before we kind of jump into the category creation process, do you want to just tell us a, you know, a couple of lines about um, Topia and what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, I would love to. And thanks so much for hosting me. And thanks to Notion for being such a great partner over the last five years of the journey. I can't believe it's been five years. It's so long. <laughs> it's been fabulous. Fabulous five years. So Topia is a software suite that helps companies move their employees between roles and locations. We operate in the talent mobility space, which is a category that we pretty much created that is worth $32 billion, which I know we'll talk about a little bit more in this podcast. Broadly, we connect a set of partners with software that we build that centralizes data from them and automates administration for everything related to a mobile employee. So anyone who's away from their office for more than two weeks, it's phenomenally cumbersome to manage them today. The employee experience is often compromised, and it's an incredibly large category that no one was really addressing before us. We have about 110 customers today, large enterprise space, 5,000 employees plus names like Dell, like Schneider Electric, like Carfax, and we serve them to support all of their mobile employees around the world. 
So I suppose for the industry, the tech industry in general, and then for you in particular, why is the, the process of defining a category so important? You know, it's interesting. I thought a lot about this question. And the way I think about it is innovation is fundamentally about creating a better way to do things for a large number of people. And done well, I think that creates a new category. And brands that create companies that create categories become synonymous with that category and with the innovation itself. So if you think about companies like Workday, synonymous with the cloud, like Nike, synonymous with running or sports, and those companies become a category king. So the company that owns a disproportionate amount of economics in the category and is synonymous with it. And why that matters as a CEO or an investor or a tech company is quite simply you gain market share, gain economies of scale, and ultimately become the winner in that market for strong returns for shareholders and employees and creating great value for customers. When I think about a category design process, and actually was talking to Dave Peterson in a, in a previous podcast, and he talks about how the process kind of maps a kind of design, develop and dominate kind of trajectory, which quite nicely aligns to how we think about the world and kind of startup growth and scale up. But I'm just wondering if you could explain the process you went through to define Topia's category and then the steps you're taking to develop and, and dominate it. Yeah, that's a great question. I always like to start from the top. So the way that I thought about, I would say the business first, the business, the opportunity was my first focus, not necessarily creating a category, but I thought about what's happening in the world right now. And how will that impact the nature of work? And so I identified about seven years ago, three macro trends that were starting to change the nature of work and would continue to accelerate that change over the coming decade. And those trends were globalization, demographic change of the workforce, and AI and automation changing the nature of what a job is. And this was in business school, by the way, at London Business School. So I had lots of time like a good MBA student to ponder the future and, and macro trends and what was going to happen, which was actually really incredible time. So from there, then I started thinking, what will be needed from companies? So what type of category might be created and what type of solution might be needed for that in the face of these macro trends? And so what I identified is that there was an increasing amount of mobility within major corporations around the world, an increasing number of employees that were moving between offices, that were doing projects in different offices, that wanted to work remotely, that were relocating, that were frequently traveling, and that it could be up to 50% of a company. Then I looked at the existing solutions in the market. So I guess that was step three. The existing solutions in our market were really focused on the idea of static employment and an employee who goes into the company every day. And they weren't really focused on this, what I saw as an emerging category around the mobile employee. So when I saw that gap or that vortex in the market, I like to say, I started thinking, wow, this is a new category that needs to be defined, that needs to have a leader associated with it. And I want to start a company that can grow to be that leader and grow to be associated with the mobile employee or talent mobility. So that was the early gestation of the category and the company. Then we founded the company and we're iterating on the business model and the product and all the things that you go through building and growing a company. And through that journey, 
We had a little bit of stops and starts, I would say, on what the appropriate messaging was for the category and how exactly we would define it in terms of where it started and where it stopped. One of the challenges of a new category is there's really no precedent. You know, there's no precedent from a product perspective in terms of product design. You know, if I build a competitor to Uber today, I know sort of broadly what that product needs to offer. We didn't have any of that. There's no data in terms of how big the market is. So um, being a good former investment banker, I was able to do a lot of that analysis myself in the early days. And then there's a lot of people in the market that have preconceived notions. So in our case, we're taking the market from what was traditionally a really boring, frankly, offline services heavy industry to something that's intimately tied to the future of work and a technology platform. And so that evolution for the market and kind of taking the buyer through that journey is a multi-year process and it takes a lot of nuance in the messaging. So we did that for a few years. And then I would say about a year and a half ago, we got to the point where I think it was very clear for us internally, as well as our market externally, what the category was. And at Topia, we undertook about a six-month project to, with an agency to look at what the category was, how exactly we define it at scale, how that translates into a brand, how that translates into company values, how that translates into messaging and product nomenclature. And we launched a full-scale rebranding of the company in everything from company values to company name to company messaging. And that is where Topia came from. And that has really, I would say, I, I like to think about it as stamped the category for Topia and being synonymous with the talent mobility category, being synonymous with Topia and us being the category king. And there's a really interesting kind of transition there, isn't there? The, or inflection point where you go from implicit, we know this is the problem we're solving, but we actually haven't kind of named this yet, to explicit. I'm just wondering if you could talk about that kind of inflection point. Yeah, I think about it as stage of the company to some extent. So in the early days of founding our company, and I think certainly any company, you're really just thinking all the time about what the problem is and how you can build a product to solve that. And then you're getting lots and lots of feedback from many different stakeholders, synthesizing that into product decisions, into messaging decisions, and in many instances, in our case, into recruiting decisions. And I think you're really thinking about survival and you're thinking about creating something that people want to buy and then getting them to buy it. And you're thinking less about, from a marketing perspective, define this category. How do I get the messaging perfectly aligned to the vision for the category? But then as you're going through growing the company and one foot in front of the other, selling and product iteration, raising money, et cetera, then you get to a point where the company has sufficient market share and sufficient visibility that you need to really put that stamp in the ground so that the brand is associated with the category and take a much more intentional approach to what is the TAM and where does it start and stop? particularly in enterprise categories where there's often a lot of overlap and a lot of frenemy dynamics when you're creating a new category. You need to take an intentional approach to what is the definition from a messaging perspective of that category? What are we trying to achieve? What does it mean and why? And then take a real intentional and strategic approach to the brand that you're building to wrap around that. For Topia, we always knew to some extent that we were building a new category and what that was. But over the years, I think through our messaging changes, when we removed guides, there was a little bit of confusion in the market about 
where we were trying to play versus the existing solutions, who we were. And I think in the earlier days, we were a little bit hesitant to put too much of a black and white stake in the ground because the market wasn't really quite there yet. Where we've gotten to now is we're very intentional. This is the category. This is who we are. This is what we represent. And this is what we want to own. And that actually, I think, has really accelerated both the buying for customers and also the recruiting for the team, knowing exactly what they're aligned to. It can have far-reaching impact, can't it, in terms of, you know, when mm-hmm. I was thinking back on the conversation with Dave a good few months back, you know, it says the category leaders, they hoover up the very best employees, customers, and, and investors as well. What impact have you seen on the kind of, I suppose, those two key things of, of people wanting to work for you and customers wanting to, uh, to work with you as well? Yeah, that's a great question. And we've, I think, had a lot of positive benefit from putting that stake in the ground around what the category is. Maybe just for context, Topia operates in a market that I mentioned previously, but has historically been a services market. All of the existing solutions were pretty legacy logistics companies or big four tax firms or immigration firms. And each of those different categories of companies was dabbling in how they build technology. What we do is we've built a horizontal software layer above those where we could connect all those different companies and add value in the single source of truth that we offer customers in the automated administration. The reason that that's relevant is we had, through the years, we went back and forth on whether we wanted to own any of the services aspects of it, or if we wanted to own any of the services aspects of it as well as the technology, or if we wanted to be the pure play technology suite and have the partners deliver all of the offline services, that was challenging because the market was coming from a place where they expected companies like us to deliver all of the services. So we had to take some intentional steps to start doing some of the services and then outsource those to our partners so that we could take the buyers through that journey and we could take the market through that education cycle. And I would say that the downstream impact of that from attracting employees and customers in prior years was often it was hard for them to, I think, put their finger on exactly who we were as a company from an identity perspective and exactly how we were defining the category. Since we've taken a step back as a company about a year ago and done this exercise of really intentionally defining the category, defining the brand, defining the company values, and effectively relaunching that in the market. It's provided an immense amount of clarity to customers and to employees or candidates about what they're joining, who we are, and why. And that has really made it much easier to attract companies and customers. The other thing that I'll say is I think At a high level, the reason that defining the category matters is that fundamentally all humans, whether in business or in politics, want to be part of something larger than themselves. And in startups, the concept of a large new category where you are the leader really allows both customers and employees to be a part of something bigger than themselves and put it from the employee perspective, inspires a lot of discretionary effort, which I always think is the job of the founder, the CEO, is to generate so much excitement and belief in the employee base that they 
put in discretionary effort into the company and you know, work more than they might normally. You've now defined a, a category that is, I think you said, the 32 billion market value. I'm pretty sure you've got people now kind of say, oh, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're in this space too. I mean, that is an obvious question, but how paranoid are you about someone coming along and owning the market, the category you've created? I think about it every day, Stephen, but I think I always also think about Jim Collins talks about productive paranoia being the key to being an effective leader in his book, Built to Last, which is one of my favorite books. And I think all good leaders need to wake up every day and think about productively, but think about how they're continuing to grow, how they're continuing to innovate and differentiate, or they will get blindsided. But I think the question is then how how to continue to move the business forward and how to continue to maintain that lead. The way that we look at it is in product and people and thought leadership. So continuing to build products that across all levels from user experience to the data model offer differentiated value and IP for the market. And in our case, we have a ton of integrations. We have, for example, 880 different integrations with Roche, which is an example I like to cite. And so we're very sticky often at companies. And so continuing to increase the mission critical nature of our software, but also importantly, probably most importantly, continuing to recruit the best people and then get them in front of customers, in front of the market, and creating thought leadership that moves the category forward. So we just launched last week paper in partnership with Wakefield Research called the Talent Mobility Disconnect, which was really the first survey or, and the first research paper to postulate that there's a direct link between retention and mobility. So 22% of employees in this very, very comprehensive survey said that they would leave a job if the job did not allow them to work remotely or be mobile. And that's been a really shocking statistic for a lot of people to hear. So that's one example. I'm working on a book right now about the future of work. I've been teaching a course at Stanford on the future of work and talent mobility, and they're now publishing a formal case about the category and about the company. So all of these things continue to differentiate the company and continue our our lead in the category. So talk us through the the strategy to to really own this category. So our our strategy focuses on product value, thought leadership, and community, which is one I haven't mentioned yet. So from the product perspective, we are the first software suite to build a solution to move employees between locations and roles. You'd be shocked to know that in most organizations with the best HR platforms in the world, it's very difficult for them to even move an employee between an entity from an administration perspective. So we built that software suite by connecting various offline partners. So we have relocation partners, tax partners, immigration partners, allowance and consulting partners, payroll partners, human capital management partners, finance system partners, and the talent mobility's problem sits at the intersection of all of those different things. So our strategy is really to be that infrastructure, that connector of all of these different partners that perform best-in-class services offline, centralize data from them, add value through the centralization of that data, the analytics that we can run, and then the automation of the administrative activities between those different partners. We then display that value to users in a series of HR-facing applications that 
touch workforce planning. They touch kind of general talent mobility management. They touch global payroll and they touch the employee experience. So it's an equally large problem for the employee to have a centralized view of the data about their own mobility. So no one really brings it together so comprehensively. So we say to our partners, it's fine if you want to own the vertical piece of that. In fact, we encourage that. We don't want to play there. Our strategy is really to continue to innovate horizontally and offer that value to the customer through the connectivity of the different partnerships. We bolster that through thought leadership and community. So the reason that this matters, the reason that talent mobility matters is that every C-suite executive today goes to conferences that I go to with them and talks about globalization, demographic change, and AI and automation as disrupting their company and how are they going to reinvent their company for the future of work along these pillars. The thing that they don't often recognize is that talent mobility is the basis of all of that. They need to be able to agilely move employees between roles and locations to effectively win the war on talent for the future of work. And they often don't recognize that there's a HR team that's working day in and day out with really out-of-date processes and systems to make this a reality. So we try to tie those things together through our thought leadership, raise awareness with the C-suite that their future of work goals are enabled through talent mobility. And here's why, and here's that how that relates to all of the macro things that they're thinking about and the talent things they're talking with their boards about. And then thought leadership targeted at the global mobility buyer, the HR manager level, where we can talk about, here's what your C-suite is talking about. Here's why your organization matters. Here's how you can innovate to help your organization go into the future of work effectively. And then the third pillar of this is community. So in the HR space, I think in particular, it's really important to bring people together really, really regularly, community between our team, our partners, and our customers. I often tell our team and customers and partners, creating a category, it's a team sport. It is not something that Topia is going to do alone. We will not successfully be the only people to believe that there's this $32 billion category out here in the legacy corporate relocation market will change. So we put a lot of emphasis on who else believes this? How do we build community with them from a partner perspective and a joint marketing perspective? How do we publish research and papers together? How do we get customers talking about it as well? That was part of the Wakefield research. And we have a few exciting things that we'll be announcing upcoming. And I won't share Steel Marketing Thunder on this podcast, but we have a few exciting things that we'll be announcing shortly along those lines as well. And all of this kind of takes the customer then on a path to the category or a path to the future of work. And that's ultimately where we want to work with them is is helping them transform along this journey. It's an exciting journey. And when you think about this and you think about the journey you've been on, you're going on, Who do you look at in the industry, CEOs or companies you admire who've done this really well, transitioning from a kind of a problem that no one knew they had to a kind of global category leader? So operating in the HR space, I always think about Workday as the best in class example of this. They are synonymous with the cloud and synonymous with human capital management. I think 20 years ago, we probably all didn't pound on the drum and say that we need a single code base for all of our people data and we need everything in the cloud from a 
HR and administration perspective, but they really created a brand associated with that and did a really good job of the way I would articulate it is making something that's not that sexy, actually really sexy and a great thought leadership around that, a great community around that for their customers, their partners, and now their venture portfolio companies of which we are one of them. So I've had a front row seat in watching how Anil Busri and Leanne Levensaller and the marketing team there have created that category and that community. And I think that's been really key to their success. And it's definitely something that we try to emulate at Topia. Yeah, it's inspiring to have those kind of people, those kind of role models. And I mean, Workday is an incredible success story, isn't it? And you, you must work inc- very closely with, with, uh, with Workday as well. Yeah, we do. They actually invested from their venture team in our Series B. So we've been a portfolio company of theirs for a while. And we're incredibly excited to now have a partnership with Workday, which we announced at Rising in October between telemobility and human capital management. Many of our customers are joint customers. Many of our customers want to integrate our solutions. And we're very excited about continuing to partner more closely to jointly take our customers to the future of work. Well, Bryn, thank you. It's been great talking to you and it's been great to be to be working with you for the last four or five years and, and excited to see what will happen over the coming four or five. Likewise, Stephen. Thanks for being great partners at Notion and for this podcast. Thank you. It's really fun. Thank you so much, Bryn. Thank you. Bye-bye.